Hello everyone, it's been quite a while since we have all spoken with each other, but we are back, somewhat like LeBron's hairline, and this week it is Bo Parker, Alex Christian, and my name is Rob Christian. We are missing Auburn Matt this week. We are recording in the middle of a work day, so that's a little bit interesting, a little bit of change of pace, but probably a little bit better for Bo, and as we get through you know, the holiday season, and really get back into the swing of things. We do apologize for the long hiatus, but it was a little bit needed. I think we all got a nice little break, but now we're we're back for you full-time. Guys, how was Christmas? How are we all feeling? It was good. You know, it's, it's real good to be back. Uh, good to reconnect with the listeners this week, and uh, I'm really looking forward to discussing what a crazy year 2020's been, and now, you know, moving on from 2020 and looking forward to 2021 here. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Bo. Uh, looking forward to 2021. Uh, last week, my best friend from college got married, got to stand in that. So that was the one bright spot. Um, but looking forward to uh, to a new year. Yeah, and a lot has happened since, you know, we've kind of taken a break. Bowl games have started. NCAA basketball has really picked up. We have the NBA that finally started the regular season. Well, not finally. It was a pretty short turnaround for them, but now that's getting into full swing. So there's a lot going on. We've got the college football playoff coming up. We've got some great bowl games, you know, starting um, even tonight with the Cotton Bowl, probably the best bowl game so far this year from when we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. So let's kick it off right there with some of the bowl games that have already uh, come through. Are there any surprises that we've seen? Or tonight, like I said, we get the Cotton Bowl, uh, number six, Oklahoma, number seven, Florida. Then once we get into you know the first of the year, then we get you know Peach Bowl, Citrus Bowl, Outback Bowl, all those uh, New Year New Year six, Orange Bowl, everything like that. We'll cover the playoffs later. I know there was some controversy around that in Ohio State, but any bowl games that we want to just take a quick hit um, that have already happened. I know Miami took an L to Oklahoma State. Texas won last night from when we're recording this. They beat Colorado. You all have any other ones that you want to go over? Well, the Miami game, that was rough. Watching De'Ara King hurt his knee, watching Harris go down. Uh, It that, that one was tough as a Canes fan. But the real one that stands out to me is Coastal losing and all of that, oh, Coastal should be in the playoff because they're undefeated. I don't think so, Bub. You know, that, that was the one that has stood out to me in what really is a lackluster bowl season where we've had a lot of games canceled. Man, that was a good Coastal game, though. I mean... It was it was another you know great showing for Hugh Freeze. A lot of motion going towards that Tennessee job. Don't know if that's going to happen, but I'll tell you what: people in the SEC right now are kind of fearing that that might become a reality. So it was criminally non-ranked Liberty beating number twelve Coastal Carolina thirty-seven to thirty-four, and man, it was a it was a great game. Uh, kind of sad to see Coastal go down, um, but I guess a lot of people were right. They shouldn't have been in the playoff. 
at all. Maybe we should have put Liberty in there. I don't know. Well, I, I want to ask, Alex, do you think this game, I've asked this many times this year about different things, but do you think this game says more about Coastal or more about Liberty? Because Liberty had a pretty respectable, pretty great year themselves. No, I think it says more about Liberty. I, I think you're right on that. Um, that was That's a good football team. That beat another good football team. But that's exactly what both of them were. They were good football teams. Neither one was great. And, you know, the whole BYU thing with the Coastal game going across country on two days' notice, that you can understand that loss. And BYU showed out in their bowl game. Coastal, they played exactly as they would against anybody else, and Liberty just beat them. It was two good teams playing each other. That's what you like to see those types of matchups in the uh, in bowl season. That's what it's all about. So moving on into into some of the games coming up, we've got our we've got our SEC games kind of listed below. Starting with tonight, already said it a few times. Oklahoma versus Florida. Y'all have a prediction for tonight. By the time this gets out, it probably will be after this game, but we'll look back and see if we got it right. Brett appears to be minus seven to Oklahoma. Uh, I think that spread is way too big. I mean, that's crazy to me. I don't know where that's coming from. To me, this Florida team could very easily, like I was probably going to pick Florida straight up. Um, so, I mean, if you're picking against the spread, I think you have to take Florida, in my opinion. Uh, the only thing maybe, you know, in a normal year, I'd say in AT&T Stadium, that gives some benefit to Oklahoma. But, you know, at the end of the day, there's no home matchups in COVID in bowl season. So, yeah, give me Florida in this one. Yeah, I can't argue with that one bit. I, I think Florida wins a game outright, even with Pitts sitting out. I I don't see a way that Oklahoma is going to put up as many points as they have against Big 12 defenses against Florida. Give me the Gators and give me the points. You know what? I, I would take a money line. If this were just a normal regular season game, I would be all over Florida on it. I want to be all over Florida on it, but um, Florida is going to be without Kyle Pitts, without uh, Tony, Kadarius Tony, and without Trayvon Grimes. So two of your best receivers and then your best pass catcher on the team all out. I don't really know what else Trask is going to have to work with. He's worked with the three of those guys so much this year. In a bowl game, losing that, I don't know. Oklahoma lost to Iowa State. That's true, but then they've had some great games in between. Well, and I guess the the other thing, too, is there's, you know, all the stuff around Dan Mullins going on right now with the, uh, the violations and getting this show cause. Uh, He's just penalty. an idiot. He got caught for being an idiot. Is that worth seven, seven points? No. <laughs> That's I'm where I'm going to agree with. He's just Cousin Eddie. If you haven't... If you haven't taken a look at it in a while, go back and watch Christmas Vacation. And Dan Mullen looks exactly <laughs> like Cousin Eddie. That's who he is. Shout out Randy Quaid. 
Yeah, <laughs> celebrity look like Randy Quaid. Oh, Other than man. that, uh, Armed Forces Bowl, that is tomorrow night, New Year's Eve. Number 24, Tulsa versus Mississippi State. We really don't know which Mississippi State we're going to get each week. I I don't know. Um, I'd, I'd be tempted to say Tulsa. Um, the spread is Tulsa minus one and a half. I watched a little bit of Tulsa's games early on. They kept up with Oklahoma State pretty well. I think that Oklahoma State team would beat this Mississippi State team. I'm basing my pick completely on that. Give me Tulsa. Minus one and a half. Yeah, I don't really have much to add on that. Uh, I agree. I mean, this this is one of those where I could I can see a case where Mississippi State wins by a couple scores, and I can also see where Tulsa wins by a couple scores. High volatility. I'm probably not betting it, but if I had to, I'm going to take Tulsa. We can also see a situation where Mississippi State might not score. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah, and I'm honestly leaning towards that. I think Tulsa, I think this one gets away from State. I, I like Tulsa, and you know, if you're just saying it's one and a half, yeah, I'll lay that. And historically, well, you look at a Mike Leach offense, and then you look at Tulsa kind of historically and what they've been able to do out there in the G5. I'm looking at this, and I'm seeing a 45-and-a-half point over-under. and That seems quite low for, you know, what should be a Mike Leach team and what should be a Tulsa team. So that's interesting to take a look at. Also tomorrow night, Texas Bowl, TCU, Arkansas. Did that game get canceled? I don't think so. I know the yep, Missouri it got, game got it, it was canceled. Did it? Yep. Oh. Well, I was looking forward to Arkansas playing the bowl, but let's scratch that one off the list. Oh man. As we go into I had Arkansas kick there. Yeah, TCU's had kind of a up and down year. Yeah, Gary Patterson, I don't know what's going on, but there's something systemically wrong in Fort Worth. Gary Patterson had a very rough start to the year. We'll just say that before the season started. Fair enough. Probably never fully recovered from that, but we'll take it into the new year, 2021, hoping to be much better year than 2020, but we get some great games to start off the new year. Peach Bowl. Number eight, Cincinnati versus number nine, Georgia. Give me Georgia. I don't know what the spread is. I will find it out right now. But I'm probably Minus six and a half, Georgia. Yeah, give me Georgia. I Hammer Cincy. You're taking Cincinnati to cover? I'm taking Cincinnati to win the damn game. Ooh. I love that bet. I love that bet. I'm probably not taking Cincinnati to win the, the game. But I just got to believe since he's going to do better than than six and a half, I see this being a three-point game. Yeah, Cincinnati's defense matches up very favorably against Georgia. Georgia has nothing to play for. Cincinnati is going after an unprecedented season for them. They're going for national relevance. I would absolutely be on Cincy's sideline on this one. 
I, this is honestly the bowl game that I'm looking forward to the most. And I think Cincinnati just absolutely walks away with this one. Hmm. I mean, I think you're spot on there with Cincinnati just having more to play for here. Uh, I mean, I, I wish Cincinnati was in the playoffs. I, you know, I wish, I wish a lot of things. Ultimately, Georgia probably has a lot. They probably have more talent. They probably do. Uh, if Georgia can just keep it close enough in the first half, I think they come out swinging in the second half. Cincinnati maybe wakes them up a lot in the first half, and that's why I see it maybe being really close. I don't see them walking away with it. But uh, I agree, Cincinnati's got more to play for. Take a look at this, though. The the bet percentage is 50-50. 84% of the money is on Georgia. That is, that's pretty mm. hefty. It's uh, So the big money and all the statistical models projections are on Georgia. The Sharps and some of the experts are on Cincinnati. So that's an interesting split. We will see how it goes. Um, next up, Alex, personal to you, the Citrus Bowl, number 14 Northwestern versus unranked interim coach having Auburn, is it? It's Kevin Steele, right? It is Kevin Steele. Do you get the Do you get the interim coach bump? No. Mm. No, in, in this case, no. You're plus three and a half. Oh boy, three and a half. I think that's. Oh, knowing Auburn and just Auburn being Auburn, I have absolutely zero faith in this game, and. I think we get waxed, but there's part of me that says this Auburn team has something. There are a lot of guys that have something to prove. I just, God, the last time we played Northwestern was, I think, the Outback Bowl in Gene Chizik's first year. So that would have been 09. We beat him there. We're going to beat him in Orlando, even though I think we lose the game. We're going to win it. You have to take them. I watched the Auburn-Minnesota game last year with you. Definitely don't want to drop two in a row to... to yeah, that was painful. I, I don't want to revisit that. I still don't look at that restaurant the same way. That restaurant was great, so. to, be, to be fair enough, though. Well, Alex, you better not be eating during this game anywhere you want to go back to then. I'm sorry to say, I mean, Pat Fitzgerald, I, I think know. he might be the best coach in college football today. What he's done at Northwestern, the culture he's built, and I don't think he's gone anywhere either. He He's a Northwestern guy, and it's so impressive uh, what he's done there. And uh, It's hard for me to ever at this point to pick against Fitzgerald, especially when you give him time to prepare and against the interim coach and all of this. Yeah, the beautiful thing about Pat Fitzgerald, and I completely agree that he's a top five coach in all of college football, he's got complete buy-in from everybody on that team. That is one unit. Mm -hmm. It is, they are all in. And that was an Auburn thing in 2010 when we won the Natty. It was Auburn, all in. Northwestern is all in all the time. Auburn right now, 
I don't know if we have that. And we'll talk about coaching later, but Jimmy's and Joe's were better than Northwestern. Let's just hope they show out. That's all I'm hoping for. I think that's probably right. Um, I mean, just straight up talent, straight up X's and O's. I have no idea, but the culture there is just incredible. Uh, Every time I see him on a radio show, just talking to his guys, coaching from the sidelines, it's, it's special what they've got there. I just don't know if I could ever want to take a Big Ten team like this, minus three and a half, over under 43 and a half. Auburn is getting less than Oh, I 50. love the over. Yeah, I do too. Auburn's getting less than 50% of the bets, but a very large amount of the money, which is why I Make think... The sharps are, sharps are hammering, let's go. Which is why I think that they won't cover at all. So give me Northwestern as much as I hate it. Well, now we've got your game. Oh, yeah. That's and you don't have to battle all the bats that we do in the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> that's true. Uh, we we'll have put this on the schedule. The Pirates uh, in the the pirate ship out there, Gruden's former home. He still might live there sometimes in the off season at Raymond James. And I think that's going to be a rough one for the Rebs. I may go to the game. I may not. I'm not sure. I think 80 bucks for a ticket to go watch us get stomped by Indiana might be a little bit too much. If I could stand outside the stadium and go in for like 20 bucks, that's a lot more my speed. It is Indiana minus 8.5, over under 65. Now, I think that's probably the most fun over under that we've seen so far. I think Tom Allen and crew gets the Rebs. Lane Kiffin was saying that they were having to recruit their own players just to play in this bowl game their own players, and they've already had, you know, two two main offensive weapons in uh, Kenny Yaboa and Elijah Moore, understandably, opt out. I don't think the Rebs have enough going on for them, especially just on the defensive side of the ball, to keep up with Indiana, a team that should have beaten Ohio State. I, I think the Rebs get worked here. I mean, the only thing that I think... Ole Miss has going for him in this one is you're giving Lane Kiffin a lot of time to scheme and come up with some fun offensive stuff. Uh, and for that reason, I do think they'll put up some points. Ultimately, this Indiana team is just flat out better. Uh, but I could see this being much more high scoring than maybe Indiana is used to, to being in. I see this maybe playing out similarly to how that game against Alabama went earlier in the year. So I'm taking Indiana, but I'm actually probably taking the over. I love Tom Allen. I love this Indiana program. Ole Miss, there's just something about the lane train, though. They're not going to win the game, but I think they can cover. I, I think they put up enough points because isn't Indiana's quarterback out or their top wide receiver, one of the two, is not playing in this game due to injury. I don't know if they can put up that many points against a very, very bad Ole Miss defense. I'll take Indiana to win, Ole Miss to cover. 
I'm such a huge fan of the names on Indiana, too. I mentioned it a lot as we were going through the season. I'm not going to list them again, but there were some very fun names on Indiana, so I'm glad that I get, I'm going to get to see them play us. I think the last SEC one that we had outside of the playoff with Bama is the Orange Bowl, A&M against number 13, number 5 A&M against Mac Brown's number 13 UNC Tar Heels. I Let me get check the spread on that. I'm going to take A&M to win outright. It is. I'm taking A&M whatever the point spread is. A&M minus 7.5 over under 65.5. I think that's a good over under too. I hate I the hook on the 7.5. But yeah, Bo, you're right. I think the over-under is dead on. Um, this might be the only bowl game that I go to this year when typically I go to two or three. Um, I like A&M in an absolute route here because I've said it all year. North Carolina is the most schizophrenic team in college football, and you cannot play against this A&M team might being schizophrenic. A&M feels like they got slighted, and they did. They also got waxed by Alabama at home. So, you know, leave that argument as it will. A&M is much better than UNC. Go with A&M. I agree with that. Seven and a half is a tough line because you always hate to, that half a point after seven is just tough to swallow, but I, I completely agree with you. I could see this being 14 or 21 even uh, point victory from A&M. I could see them running away with it. So, uh, yeah, give me A&M. And then I was just scrolling through non-SEC games. Well, uh, I think there's one that we missed on here, SEC. NC State and Kentucky. NC State number 23. Kentucky, a favorite, unranked, minus two and a half over under a 50 in the Gator Bowl, a game that I would have loved to be in, you know, as Ole Miss. I can't complain about the Outback Bowl in Tampa, but I love going to Duval. It's a very big news coming out of Duval, too. Duval. Um, but Kentucky, minus two and a half. What do you all think about that? Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, give me give me Kentucky. <laughs> Only other one I wanted to go over, just as I'm seeing it now, uh, ranked matchup, uh, twenty five, number twenty five Oregon and number ten Iowa State in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't think we had that on there. Iowa State minus four over under fifty eight. I'm I'm gonna take Iowa State. I have to agree with that. I have nothing else. I. I've got nothing on this other than Oregon. Either they show up or they don't. Iowa State's consistent. I'll go with them. Is uh is the future Jet offensive tackle going to be playing in that one? Hey, there we go. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yeah. Okay. He better not be. <laughs> he better not be. Foreshadowing. He's an idiot if he is foreshadowing indeed but we'll cover one last thing in college alex it's 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 for you uh there was a coaching change uh another coach has been fired a few coaches have been fired since we've 
last all met together, but one very close to home. Gus Malzahn, the Gus bus is finally no more. What do you think about the move to Brian Harson? I personally really like Brian Harson. I think he's a great outside hire of the Auburn network. He works very well with quarterbacks. He's run a great program, you know, continued running a great program that he got from Boise State. He helped get Kellen Moore to the NFL. He's helped, you know, a few great quarterbacks over at Boise State. What do you think of the move? I will be completely honest on this one. I did not think that we would pull the trigger this year with it being pandemic year and everything. But with as bad as recruiting had gone this year, there was no choice. There was something inherently wrong at Auburn in the program. And there were those like four or five days during the coaching search after Gus had been fired that I was poop my pants scared of what we would do and whether it would be just Auburn being Auburn. And it turned out that it wasn't. It was us going out and hiring a proven winner, a guy who said it would take the perfect job to leave Boise as a former Boise quarterback. He comes in and I, I'm in love with the hire. The biggest scare for me now is what's going to happen to the defense. I know the offense is going to be fine. It's Kevin Steele is a top five DC in the country. And I don't know how we upgrade from him, but I, in, if any part of what was coming out of Auburn in those you know, weird days is true, there's no way that Brian Harson can retain him. It's that's the one big question mark for me is what the defense is going to look like. But shoot, I really like the trajectory of where this program is going to go under him, and I I like the offense. I I I can't say enough about that. So I'm excited for the first time in a long time. I'm really excited. I will tell you what, though, someone who does not have a job anymore but is probably going to have a very nice start to the new year is Gus Malzahn. His buyout's upwards of $22 million. If they were to get rid of all the staff, it's pushing it. Yeah, I don't want to talk million. about $22 million that we have to shell out on this one. Ten-plus million of that is due within 30 days, so he's going to have a very nice start to 2021 in a time where, you know, it's – Pretty hard to come up with that kind of money, but he could buy a lot of yeah, Waffle he's getting, House. He's getting, I think it's $13.5 million in the next week. So, you know what? You could pay me that, and I would not coach either. So, yeah. hey, good for Gus. I wish him the best. He was a he was a hell of a football guy. And, uh, you know, I, I hope he does well in his future endeavors, but just shut up and take our money. Let's try to win a natty. Wherever he ends up, he could buy a lot of Waffle House after some wins. He could buy like 96 Waffle Houses. Well, you have to work at Waffle House to own a Waffle House. Bo and Bo's family have learned that firsthand, and we've never been more sad to, to learn a fact from Waffle House corporate. But 
you're still. I think we've spent more money at Waffle Houses since we learned that, though. So I just got a Waffle House pullover. It's <laughs> rep the brand. Oh man, one free ad. Everybody gets one, and by everybody, I and know, everybody I knows the our cover art. Yeah, yeah, it's little Easter egg. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, other than that, just uh, kind of a year in review as we go on to twenty twenty one. NBA, a social movement mixed with a pandemic. Rudy Gobert shut the league down as he was on the court warming up for a game. Oh man! And Bo, you put this Touch in all our, the mic. Bo, you put this in our notes. Um, of all the leagues that came back, what league had the best return? What league had the worst? And what did we learn about how these leagues are handling? This adversity. It's your question. So you, you go first. You, you're pointing it at me. All right. Uh, I mean, to me, the clear answer on best, I think, has to be the NBA. They got that bubble up and running, and they did it effectively and efficiently, and it was kind of cool. Um, you know, there's going to be issues here and there with any league returning. Uh, but I think they did a really, really good job and it ended up being a pretty good product. Uh, I actually probably watched more NBA in the bubble than I've watched in previous years. And it was kind of fun. Uh, the league that I think did the worst job has to be, I I guess it's not a league. It's not a pro sports league, but college football. When you look at like the big 10, uh, or the PAC 12 coming out saying they're not going to do it, changing their mind. Oh, we are going to do it. Uh, especially when you've got, you know, the NCAA being in such hot water for how they treat players and trying to continue this thing where they tell people that, that these aren't pro athletes, that, oh, these are student athletes and we're not taking advantage of them. And at the same time, just throughout this whole thing, completely taking more advantage of college athletes than they ever have. Uh, so to me, the NCAA has to be the answer to the worst. Um, yeah, that, that's what I would say about it. I don't know. Do you guys agree, disagree with any of that? To go with the yeah, best, to go with my best, I would have to say, I would probably say NASCAR. I know that's kind of a out there one and it's not, you know, a whole lot of physical contact in the sport but they were the first ones to get back up and running and they really didn't have any issues. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of new NASCAR fans because they were the only ones up and running. It actually grew the sport, which is support for NASCAR has been dwindling for some time now, but ratings were way up. And then even before that, before everyone got started back up, they had the iRacing and the virtual stuff where they actually made good television out of it and showed you know, the everyday life of some of these drivers in their homes still trying to, you know, somewhat participate in the sport. And you'll see, you know, drivers, you know, in an actual race broadcast on like NBC or TNT. And then some guy's daughter comes up and spills like juice all over him in the middle of the race. Like it was good TV. A lot of people got to see a lot more of a personal side of NASCAR. And I think that worked really well for them. Another one would be the NHL. I think the NHL bubble worked very well. I'm not a huge hockey guy, but you really didn't hear a whole lot coming out of the NHL 
uh, flare-ups or positive cases or anything like that. It was the Edmonton bubble and the what was the other bubble? Toronto. Toronto. They just shoved them all in Canada, and that seemed to work out pretty well for them. On the worst, I would agree with you with the NCAA, and then if I had to add one more, I would say MLB. We're big baseball guys, but Rob Manfred is a cancer. Mm -hmm. They couldn't figure out what was going on. We've had teams like the Marlins who got shut down for 20-something days at the beginning of the year, making it very tough for them to make up games. They still make the playoffs. And then with the loss of revenue and everything, Rob Manfred takes that opportunity to shrink the minor leagues and get rid of 40-plus teams. And now all those communities, they don't have jobs for people. They don't have entertainment for people, too. So I think the NCAA was worse, the flip-flopping with the Big Ten that you mentioned and everything like that. We're not playing. We're going to play. Uh, myocarditis is a thing. Oh, now we're totally never going to say that word again. Haven't heard that in months. Except for that poor kid from Florida, the basketball player who passed out on the court. Was that from that? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they came out with that earlier this week. So, yeah, to your point, Rob, the NCAA, they fucked up. Conferences fucked up. Baseball. Good God, what a dumpster fire that was. But, you know, to me, the best, you know, it, it, those were the worst. To me, NBA, Bo, to your point, they nailed it in Orlando. But the NHL, to me, stood out because there are so many international guys. You had people from all over the world, and they somehow made it work. I, I really like what hockey did. And I think there are a lot more hockey fans because of it. Yeah, I mean, building, I guess, like like the last thing I'd add on this, building on what both of you guys are saying, and I think it's exactly right, is the leagues that th- this was unbelievable, like crazy circumstances. We don't expect to see this happen again, but there will be something happen again. There's always something. And the leagues that handled this the best are the ones that, have historically cared the most about their players, I think, or at least recently, and that uh, seem to understand that what they're selling is these players as a brand and as entertainment and that they need to take care of them. The MLB said, you know, they just were less worried about taking care of their players. When you look at like the minor leagues thing, the NCAA had never cared about their players. That becomes more blatant every single day. Uh, the NBA and the NHL and NASCAR, they clearly do. Um, and that came across. And I think that's true, you know, outside of sports too. Businesses that do that tend to have more success. Uh, and we saw that really, you know, in focus with this pandemic. And I agree with you, Bo. I I did end up watching, you know, more NBA in the bubble than I had. I, I had kind of picked it up just because the Heat were doing well you know, before this whole thing started, but then I tried to, you know, keep up with them, at least there, uh, when they narrowed it down for for that playoff. But moving in slightly to the NBA, if we're just going to go through a couple leagues and give, uh, give a prediction for what's going to come in 2021, you and I were talking right before Alex joined us on our, you know, on our video conference for this about what it would be for the NBA and, I'll start, and mine would be 
Uh, I just want to make one note that James Harden got fat. We have not been together since we saw that. He is large and not in charge. But, Grande. Yeah, he, he got big. But going along with the James Harden theme, it came out while I was in Mississippi that the players are not allowed to go to strip clubs this year. If I wasn't sure that the season would actually start, if that were an actual rule, and apparently it is, and a few people have been caught doing it, so they obviously don't. Yeah, they obviously don't care. (laughs) Mine will be if they, if the players cannot go to strip clubs for the full season, we will not have a full season in the NBA. That's a bold prediction. It's a dumb prediction, but I'm making it, and I mean it. I think they mean it too. Well, I don't have anything nearly as fun as that. And I don't think I disagree with any of it. Uh, All I was going to say about the NBA is I think this is maybe the year that we see the East actually start to move the needle back the other way and potentially be better than the West. Uh, We see the Nets now with KD. They're looking, you know, when KD's playing, he just took, uh, he was off last night with Kyrie playing the second day in a, back to back and they end up going to overtime with the Grizz. But uh, like when, when he's on the court, that team is incredible. Um, the Bucks just re-signed onto Katempo for a long-term deal. And he looks to me just uh, eye test in four games looks as good as he's ever been as, uh, you know, just incredible gets better every year. I think the Lakers maybe repeat this year, but I think the East starts to get better than the West and maybe is absolutely better than the West uh, by the end of the season or this time next year. Oh, I like that. I really do. And my, my prediction is purely out of Jimmy Butler's mouth. When he told Goran Dragic, we're running this back or I'm punching you in the face. (laughs) I think the heat run it back. I think the heat win the East. That is my prediction for the year in the NBA. I, I think it's going to be a very contentious uh, Eastern Conference, but I like the Heat. I I think the Nets are probably a year away. They just haven't had time to gel. This, to me, seems like if Miami's going to win one in the next decade, this is the year. I agree with you there, Alex. It has been a little bit of a rough start. The Heat beat the Pelicans on Christmas Day, but otherwise two losses, and they got absolutely worked last night. Hey, tranquilo. Tranquilo, brother. Tranquilo. We're fine. (laughs) I like it. I mean, look, to be honest, if the Sixers can figure out some sort of move at the deadline, they're actually my dark horse team in the East, and I could see them potentially, you know, moving past quickly teams like the Heat or the Celtics and maybe being a contender to win the Eastern Conference. All they need is a shooter, though. This Simmons and Bead thing, like, that doesn't work. They need a shooter. But if they could figure that out by the deadline, that's, you know, that's actually, I like the Heat pick. Yeah, there's, like too much, there's, there's too much dysfunction in Philly. And, you know, when you look at dysfunction, the opposite of that, moving over to hockey, was Tampa. The Lightning, as much as I hate it, those guys, they play so well as a unit. Um, they won under 
extraordinary circumstances. And now we're looking at a 2021 hockey season where it's totally up for grabs. I don't know who the real you know, power is, which is why I am going to go out on a wild limb and say that the Panthers make the playoffs and actually win one to two games in the playoffs this year. The Panthers will win a playoff game this year. That's a bold <laughs> prediction for a league where over half of the league makes the playoffs. Hey, we <laughs> suck, but we will win a playoff game. Yeah, I, I don't even have one for hockey. That's, that's about my extent of the knowledge on it. I think the last time I really paid attention to hockey, I was watching it at like two in the morning with Bo in a dorm on a dorm floor for the Winter Olympics. It's about the last I watched, and it was a lot of fun. I'm just I'm just looking up the the odds here of your pick. What what are the the bet? What does Vegas think of your pick? Vegas, by the way, is my pick. I'm taking Vegas just for fun. It's probably smart. I would love to see Vegas be the next title town USA. Oh my God. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> just a procession from Caesar's palace. Just right out with the Stanley cup. That would be, amazing. Oh, I hope you're, even if it means the Panthers don't win a playoff game, I hope Bo's prediction comes true. I would trade that. <laughs> Speaking of predictions, I think we all kind of fell into the same one with Dodgers winning the World Series. I took the Rays. I know you did, but Bo and I were both on Dodgers and six, and what was it? Dodgers and six. We're really good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers are so stacked. They're so good, and they just keep getting better. Um. That being said, my bold prediction is the Padres to win the NL West this year. I think the Dodgers have a bit of a hangover. I think they're excited. They should be. Dodgers have a hangover. The Padres figure it out. They've got pieces, too. They've got pitching. They've got hitting. They've got fielding. They know how to play good ball. I think it's going to be a really close division, and I think the Padres get out in front early and then are able to hold on to the end. So that's, you know, and then the, whoever wins that division, I said this when we discussed the MLB playoffs earlier this year, I think that division kind of decides uh, who represents the NL for at least a couple of years. I could not agree with you more. They get... um the Blake Snell trade the other day. The Padres are buying, and they're buying in right now, and they were already a pretty good baseball team, and they're only getting better with guys like Tatis out there that are just coming up at one of the best farm systems. They could actually afford to get rid of their some of their farm system to get these guys. Blake Snell is excited to go. He has already come out and said, we're making it to the World Series this year. I completely agree with you, Bo. I'll ride, I'll ride with you on that one. All right, y'all can ride the walrus out there in San Diego. I'm going to go off script and say I like Atlanta. I I think they're solid. I think that team was 
just one piece away. If they can add something, especially at the deadline, I think that's going to be the one that could upset the apple cart on the NL West, just running through everything. But otherwise, you're right. Uh, that that definitely is the class of the of the entire league. But give me Atlanta. I, I think they're going to surprise some people. I like that pick. A lot of youth in Atlanta. They do look good. A lot of youth in both of those places, San Diego and Atlanta. So I think we should get in. I know Bo's got a train to catch here in a little bit. NFL playoffs coming up. We're in week 17. Some key matchups that will decide who's in, who's out. What do we have going for this week? I know it's a big one you know, in Miami where Alex and I are around for the Dolphins to play the Bills. If they win, they're in. It could be... And Alex, you were saying before the show, it's a mess trying to predict, you know, everything that's going to happen and what these matchups are going to be. Yeah, I'm terrified right now. As a Dolphins fan, I I see this as a loss. And if the Dolphins do not win, then they need some help. And it is, you honestly need like an MIT degree to figure out all of the you know, possible permutations that are going on. You know, Baltimore, Cleveland, you've got Indianapolis, you've got Tennessee, all right there. It is a log jam. So for Miami to get in, it's a win or a Baltimore loss, Cleveland loss, Indy loss, Miami ties, and then there's just a tie in any other game with the exception of Tennessee. And Tennessee would have to lose if we tie. There are eight different ways the Dolphins get in. Easiest one is to win, and we pray that Buffalo is starting to scoreboard watch, sees that Mason Rudolph and the Pittsburgh Steelers just are pooping the bed, and they decide to bench people. Uh, It's it's wild. The NFC is a lot easier, uh, really the only things to watch for in the NFC are who gets the one seed in the bye and then who wins the NFC East and gets the four seed. If Washington wins their end, Dallas needs a win and some help. Philly's gone. You know, it, it, it's and the giants are still somehow alive. It is that division just dumpster fire in and of itself. But Right now, Packers odds-on favorite to get the bye. And if that's the case, the real question is, who goes to Lambeau to play him? Is it going to be Seattle or New Orleans? That's really what we got to look at in the NFC. I think that division is very top-heavy, where the AFC is anybody can win that if, if uh, KC decides they're not going to show up. And the best thing of all this is week 17, everyone's playing in division with each other, so we get a full weekend of NFC East versus NFC East. So all Washington has to do is beat Philly, and they magically get the four seed, and it's the Sunday night game. Yeah, thank you, NFL, for flexing that one. Two, six, and... Well, what's Philadelphia? Washington six and nine. 
man, the NFC East. They're six, eight, and one, I think. Yeah, no, they're no, they're five, eight, and one. Four, ten, and one. Four, ten. Oh, Philly's out. <laughs> don't give no, them too. Don't matter. give them too much credit here. <laughs> hey, the Bears, who we all counted as dead, might end up in this. The Rams against Arizona. There's a lot of intrigue this week, but God, there are some really crap-ass games. Bo, you got anything else for it? Because we do have one important segment to get to. I know you've got to head out here. No. No, I don't have a lot to add there. I mean, I do think this Miami-Buffalo game this week will be really interesting. Uh, Those teams both have something to play for, and I could see them playing again in a couple weeks in the playoffs. So, that is yeah. a projection that they go back to back against each other in the same damn stadium. It's it's easy for me to envision, uh, and I know I know you guys love Miami, and I do think Miami's got a good team this year. This Buffalo team's the real deal, man. They look good. Agreed. Well, we can't let Bo Josh go. Allen. Jo- Josh Allen is amazing. You know. For the first uh, 16 games of this year, first eight games, Josh Allen threw for 2,000 yards, exactly. And then the last eight games, he threw for 2,000 yards, exactly. Wow. Wow. That's consistency right there. But we can't... But I think what you were getting at, Rob, can the Jets... Would you like to introduce... a three-game win streak to end the year... And the year in a three-game winning streak, beat the Patriots, beat Belichick. <laughs> this team's the real deal. They're never going to lose again. Sam Darnold, QB of the future. How did y'all fuck this up so bad? <laughs> I, it, oh, it's, actually, it's actually impressive. And... You know, the reports last night of Adam Gase being relieved of his duties. He has not been told such <laughs> by the organization, so he doesn't know he's fired. Well, isn't the he the, the GM, too? Like, isn't he acting as the GM? I didn't fire myself. Mm-hmm. Or did they get another one? They have another GM. Okay. Yeah. No, it, this, is, this is beautiful. You kick yourself out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes and then you're firing your coach on a winning streak. This is, Oh, uh, it's like, they're beautiful. It's like, you're trying to be the Knicks. It's like, this is a very Knicks thing just based on the fact that you're backed your way. You won your way out of the draft pick. And no, what it's about, like Cuomo and de Blasio are actually running the jets. <laughs> what about the mayor of Jacksonville actually send it, actually making a formal statement thanking the New York Jets of saving Duval? <laughs> I said earlier in the year the only reason they're keeping Gase around is because they think he's the best shot to go zero and sixteen and get the number one overall pick. And he couldn't do that. that. <laughs> do they get yeah, the down? Against New England? No, because he's going to coach, apparently, because y'all haven't officially fired the guy. Oh, because he's not fired. He's just fired. He's his own interim coach. Yes. So, yeah, you know what? Give me the Jets to cover. 
Give me the just a cover on that. <laughs> oh, man. A lot of people lost a lot of money on Eliminator pools last week. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Eliminators, as we transition back to college football, Elimination Games, boys. We've got the playoff. Bo, as our resident Notre Dame expert, is there a chance? I've been pulling all of the Golden Domers for the past two weeks, and there's not a single one who believes Notre Dame can win this game. I, I have yet to meet one who believes that they can even cover the spread. I imagine there's somebody out there who thinks they can cover what? I think it's 17 and a half. But 17 and a half for a playoff game. That's that rough. kind of says all you need to know. Uh, I believe that if you did bet on Notre Dame to win the entire college football playoff, I think it's paying out 27 to 1, somewhere in that ballpark. I think those odds are probably spot on. No, it is, there's a chance. There it, isn't. It's a bad, bad, it's a low, low chance. Yeah, I don't I don't see it. I think Bama rolls through that one. I mean, ESPN keeps talking about Notre Dame's five and two historically against Alabama. Those games happen in like the forties. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> I like how Brian Kelly came out and said he's like, Well, it's not like we had to play Alabama ten times. We just have to beat them this one time. Pretty much just admitting that they would have lost probably nine out of those ten. It makes me a little less confident in Notre Dame to keep it close actually based on him saying that not thinking that they could beat him more than once but I mean maybe if you were like eh, four out of ten maybe maybe even three out of seven but uh, we only it's not like we have to play him ten times we only have to beat him once now Bama Bama rolls I'm always going to root against Notre Dame sorry Bo my apologies to the family especially Harry but it's not going to happen <laughs> I'll absolutely be cheering for Notre Dame, but I've already put some money on Alabama. I don't know how you can't. Then on the Fair other enough, side of it, so now, yeah. uh, on the other side of it, I'm going to take Clemson over Ohio State too. It's going to be another Bama Clemson. Oh yeah, there's another half to this thing. Yeah, yeah. I'll take I'll take Clemson, and you got to take Bama, I think, to beat Clemson. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see anybody beating Bama this year. They're just they're just too stacked offensively. Yeah, I mean, still with four teams left, uh, Vegas has the odds on Bama winning the whole thing at negative 165. So your, you know, $100 bet, they'll pay you $165 back. Like, No, it's 165 right. to 100. They, they give you... They give you 100. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I said that, I said that in reverse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one sixty-five to win a hundred. I'm gonna take Vegas at its word on that one. Yeah. So Clemson minus seven and a half over under sixty-six and a half. The over under in the Bama game was sixty-five and a half. I'll I'll take Clemson seven and a half. Yeah, lay the points. Agreed. Okay. Well, with that, I think. We all have some stuff to get through. I know, Bo, you have to go take off to New York City to see the family for New Year's. Uh, we will come back. I know, Bo, you had them on our notes for this week, but I, I honestly am going to need to take a minute to think about this, and I know you have to go anyway. 
but we're going to give our biggest surprises for 2020, craziest highlights from 2020, uh, New Year's resolutions. You want us to pick a team, player, league, whatever, whatever they did awfully in 2020 that they can attempt to correct in the new year. That might be an interesting part of that, that they can correct, because I would pick, like, Major League Baseball, but they've already just screwed themselves, so I don't know if they could actually right, look at Look at somebody like Kentucky basketball. That is a dumpster fire and a half right now. Mm-hmm. They've got to figure something out. Have they got a win yet? They're, what, one and five or something? One they were one and, No, one and – yeah, they – I think they Worst start since, yeah. I think, 1926, 1927. I was watching Yikes. SEC now earlier during work, so that's how I know that. Okay, good. No more one and dones. Like they just. I don't know if anyone. No, they them. have them. They're just. They just don't like playing with each other. They'll all go to the Knicks. <laughs> then they'll Enjoy. be mad. Too. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, but we'll we'll think up those uh, for you for next week. We are very excited to be back with everybody and back on a somewhat regular schedule and I know it's only going to get better you know as we keep moving forward and you know, Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving and weddings kind of bottom out for the time. Bo uh, did not get to see you a few weeks ago but we're planning a Mississippi trip so hopefully we may be able to do a show in person together in the middle to late January. We'll see how that goes but other than that I hope Everyone has a happy new year. I will be over uh, almost, I'll be thinking about going to see the Rebs. I'll be in town anyway. I'll be in Tampa, but we'll see if I stick it out to go watch the Rebs. Bo, you're heading off to NYC. Hope you have a great time. Alex, you said you may go to the Orange Bowl. Yeah, Miami, baby. Everybody just remember to pour one out for a 2020 that could have been a lot better at a lot of times, but 2021. That's going to be our year. Yeah, here's to 2021, and we will see you all on the other side. Bye, everyone.